Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the City of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's royal visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. Yes, he's in the intensive care ward at Our Lady of the Worthless Miracle. Give me two. What up, everybody? Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's. We are live for a discussion with the guy you see before you. If you're watching this on YouTube, Brian Sikowski for Perfect Game is in the house. Everybody give it up for Brian. He's going to talk about Perfect Game, the MLB draft prep going on here for 2023. We're about uh, just under a month away from the actual MLB draft, and we're going to dive into plenty of that here on the Prospects Power Half Hour. Of course, my co-host Ben Chase is always here. Big Gentle Ben on Twitter at MJ Govia Plus of Podcast 2 L's 2 Z's. Follow Brian on Twitter. B underscore Sikowski underscore PG. You can see it here, but those hearing the podcast later on in audio form, you'll see it in the description as well. It's not hard to find. Brian, welcome to the show, Palazzo Podcast. What's the good word, my friend? Appreciate you guys having me. I'm always always looking forward to talking draft. This time of year is, is the best for it, obviously, and we are coming down the chute. Less than a month, like you said, man. It's mm-hmm. We're almost there, finally. Yeah, this is an exciting time. Ben, I mean, Ben always brings support the best guests for this show. And uh, basically, he's here because you know him. Or what's the relationship with Ben? What do you think of Ben Chase? I mean, I, most people think he's a total douchebag, but I like him. I don't know. I like him. <laughs> Including me, but you know. <laughs> uh, ben and I's uh, online relationship dates back to a, a Prospects Live community mock draft, I think, mm-hmm. during COVID. Um that was a cool idea at the time. It remains a cool idea where you get writers from all over the internet to draft for their teams that they write about. And I was a part of that with Ben and that's how we uh, got to know each other a little bit. Did some, uh, did some stuff like this last year um, with the Brewers, I think. Is that who that was on the Brewers pod? Whatever it was, uh, yeah. Ben and I have been uh, Twitter contacts for a couple of years yep. now. So always have enjoyed the conversations. Yep. Ben, would you care to elaborate on that? Because I think there's well, something about the people that you bring aboard here that we always get something unique and we learn something from them. And that's all they can ask is I get one thing out of everybody that we can take away. That's a good day. It's a good show. So, I mean, Brian, I've always enjoyed chatting prospects in general, especially around the draft. But he has just where he happens to work has a really good perspective right now with perfect game and talking with this time of year. Cause I mean, you talk about PG national, you talk about, um, frankly, Brian, you guys are gearing up for next year's draft already with some of the showcases, correct? Isn't that already? Oh yeah. In, uh, you in could, action. You could make the argument we're gearing up for 2027 draft. Well, uh, yeah, but yeah, it's, uh, 
Yes, I, some of the uh, the events that are happening. We we for years we wanted PG National to be the kickoff of the summer. It was the draft happened that first weekend in in June or whatever it was, and then PG National started that Monday, and then there we went. Like now the circuit starts. Now yeah. with the draft being in mid July, everything's kind of convoluted and and it doesn't make any sense and whatever. That's not my call to make Major League Baseball, but um now it's it's it, the the timings of it's a little different so now yeah we are into summer we're getting some 24 looks at guys but we're still a month away from pg national in the draft for 2023s so this is that yeah. really weird two-month stretch where we're trying to scout both um and pro scouts are doing the same thing like everybody on the cape is watching yeah. 23s and 24s right now so yeah, yeah i was just gonna say the cape is where it's getting really goofy now because yep. you get guys who are who are looking to be drafted this year who are going to the cape Yep. And that didn't ever used to be an issue. You know, no, so, they would still be playing. Yeah. Did, uh, yeah. did Spencer Torkelson make a name for himself at the Cape one summer? Or is that am I thinking of someone else? I think like, he was more USA baseball. USA baseball? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm thinking think of another slugger. Thing, was that Nick Gonzalez that was the same yeah. summer as him that was yeah. a big Cape guy? I think uh, that that was like same draft as as Torque, I believe. Right. For and this year were... it's Matt Shaw was a, was like the number yeah. one Cape prospect last year. He's probably not gonna be a first rounder. And that's um, a, a wood bat league for those that don't know, right? Just wood. Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely. awesome. Well, yep. let's lay this out first, okay? Because not everybody knows everything. I don't want you to give me a five-minute diatribe, but for those that don't know, because I'm not as immersed in perfect game as others, uh, what's the basic understanding for those that are love Dynasty Baseball, they love prospects, they love minor league baseball? How does perfect game fit into that world? So perfect game is a, an event and scouting company that was started in Iowa uh, back in the 90s. The literal beginning concept of the company was Iowa plays high school baseball in the summer, right? So there was no way for scouts to see Iowa's high school baseball players prior to the draft because their high school season was after the draft. So Perfect Game, in its infancy, in its initial coming into being a thought, was how do how do we fix this? How do we? So they invented a spring league, the Iowa Spring League, which runs to this day where high school players from Iowa, and I believe at the time Wisconsin also played high school, high school baseball in the summer. So players from those two states would have places to play in enough time for scouts to see them before the draft. That has obviously expanded in a big way over the years. Now we're literally international. Um, you have spent a fair bit of time in Canada. Our guys have spent a fair bit of time uh, in the islands, over in Europe. Uh, you know, it's international. It's an international operation now. And where we stand out, I think... Um, in terms of our projections for the draft, in terms of our scouting, in terms of our evaluations, is we oftentimes have the longest book with these players that you could possibly have. There's a lot of, t- and this is, it's you, it's not unique to baseball scouting. In international scouting, it's the same thing. You're, you're starting to watch them at 13, 14 years old a lot of the time. We're doing that on the domestic side now. We're seeing these players that are 13, 14, how they develop throughout their high school careers, how they go into college, or if they go right into the draft, whatever it is. We have multiple years of looks and growth with these players. And so I think that that's what, what kind of sets our evaluation track record apart, and we continue to get better at it. That makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, one thing I do think about when you explain that, though, is do you think there's a – 
you know, because these are developing human beings. I mean, these are kids. Mm-hmm. You start. You know, we're just talking about before we went on live about Ben's nephew, you know, 14 year olds. And we're looking at people from a certain age and you do have more information. But do you find, Brian, that there's a certain period of time where you think more growth happens than not? Is there a trend now on that or is that still inconclusive or really context based on each individual player? It's 100% context-based simply because, and you guys can take your experience as teenagers with this as well, when you were 12, there were dudes who already looked 15. There were guys that still looked like they were 12. You know what I mean? So puberty happens at different times and at different rates for every single person. So that's why you're not like, the kid who's best at 13 usually is not the best player at 18, and just in terms of their abilities. But there's traits that we're starting to be able to identify at those younger age groups that are project in a more concrete way than, uh, than others. And as we get more experience and more knowledge with data, with players of that age group, then we can, we have a better understanding of what may eventually work versus what won't. Oh, okay. Right. That's good stuff, Ben. Uh, ben, you got any questions about the perfect game world right now? Cause yeah, we no. talk a lot about the setup of where we are with scouting and how kids get the opportunities. You know, we've, Frankly, we've talked about a lot of kids whose dads were players. They get all, you know, they're some of the biggest names we've seen recently. Jackson Holidays and the Drew Jones, and it's going on and on and on now. Kevin Biggio's a guy in baseball. There's a lot of guys who are lineage players now, Ben. You yeah. and I have talked about that a lot. And we wonder, is that about a matter of opportunity or are they that good? I mean, you have to perform to get to where you got to go. I get that. But where they start to get to that performance is what we think about. Yeah, and there's, there's an element of both, I think. Um, a son of a big leaguer is going to have more attention on him from the time he starts mm-hmm. playing competitive baseball just inherently. Like, that's always going to happen. Um, so that that's true in the scouting world, too. You know, like when we first saw Drew Jones at 14 or whatever, when we first saw Jackson Holiday at 14 or whatever it was. Uh, Elijah Green in the other class, too, another mm-hmm. guy we saw at 13, 14 years old. Not a big league dad, but an NFL dad, so we count that, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it's it's – that it it's both it, it provides the opportunity to get seen and evaluated earlier but it's also like because they're good you know like you said like yeah. we're not we're not wasting time on guys whose dads are famous and they're not good at the sport like you know what i mean there's no if you're good everybody's going to see it it's not like we're keeping secrets you know no i think it's about the guys who fall through the cracks i guess sometimes who maybe don't have the means that's something we think about right ben like we've talked about that a few times that's, yep and that's I know just coming from, in fact, I know South Dakota's spring baseball for high school is based off of the original perfect game spring league stuff. Because when I was in high school, South Dakota did not have high school baseball offered at all. Wow. It's still a club sport right now. Okay. Um, but the spring league that they've put together is based on that initial league that perfect game put together. It's expanding the sport and expanding access to the sport because still today you want to be a stud in south dakota baseball you're going to play legion well sorry but legion baseball just doesn't get scouted the same way that so many other things do as far as spring i mean spring high school baseball anything else and so you're you're not going to get that kind of notice in the same way whereas now there are opportunities for you know south dakota select tournament you know and be able to play in a national tournament like that so Hmm. that's interesting man i think there's some truth to that as well but there's always there's always going to be the best of the best will generally rise to the top and you know there's always 
especially once you get to the, well, uh, you know, get to double A, triple A, and it doesn't work out and you were a, a highly received prospect, they're going to give you more opportunities. There's always a second, a third, a fourth chance, Brian, as you know, as we get closer and things don't go the way. Maybe it was, a, there's someone who thinks they can fix them, right? Hey, I can fix that kid. I know what's wrong. Here's what we need to do, right? There's a lot of that. Especially if you're left-handed and throw hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Exactly. You said it all. Uh, okay, so we're here to talk about MLB Draft as well. Uh, check out more Perfect Game at the website. It's perfectgame.org, right? Yep, not, that's Not com. Org. Not com. Org. Let's talk about the MLB Draft. So why don't you set the table for us this year? Do you see an overall trend with certain types of players? Like, is there more high school pitching available than usual? Cause me and Ben talked about how there was a dart of that actually this year. It didn't look like there really was. Yeah. It's, it feels like a bad, heavy class. Um, a lot of that is skewed in the perception because of so many of the high profile college arms, college arms got hurt. Right. Mm-hmm. So there was something I counted like seven of the top 10 college pitchers we had ranked on the board coming into the season got hurt or something along those lines. So we're going to find out real quick. Well, maybe not real quick, but we're going to find out which team is good at evaluating pitchers based mm-hmm. on which pitchers from this class are good long-term because there's so much we just, we just don't know. Um, yeah. I think the high school pitching crop is is really good, but the top tier is shallow. Uh, it's yeah. kind of too yeah. deep. It's Meyer and it's Thomas White, depending on your preference. Um, there's a couple of guys behind them that I think are really, really good, but just maybe not quite on that tier. Uh, Charlie Soto comes to mind. Cam Johnson comes to mind. Blake Wolters comes to mind. You know, there's a few more in that tier. Um, but I think it's a bad, heavy class, man. I, I do. I like the top. I think that there's depth in the prep bats in particular down the board. It's going to be interesting to see which of those guys get paid and which of them go to school. Um, but either way, bad heavy for me, but a good bad heavy. I, I, I like yeah. the class. So I guess for me, Brian, one question I have, you got, there are some, some absolute studs that are going to be playing starting this weekend mm-hmm. with uh, the college world series. And for folks that don't know, I think I wanted, I want to say pipeline was rattling off a stat that something like 60 players that they have rated in the draft are actually in playing this uh in the college world series which is a freaking ridiculous number as far as if you want to get a look at the guys who are going to be in the top say five to ten rounds Mm -hmm. come the you know come this july's draft watch the college world series it's going to be a great place a lot of times you don't get that much talent all in omaha but they are this year but two of the guys that are going to be there that I'm really curious about because I don't see them tremendously high on a lot of rankings are two guys that actually made the PG uh, first-team All-American for college. Um, Brian Wilkin is one, um, third baseman from Wake Forest. And I'm sorry, but just third baseman from Wake Forest gives me Will Craig vibes, and that's <laughs> probably not fair to him. But he's – that's – I mean, just – huge huge power Mm -hmm. and i just don't know where he fits for sure defensively um but then the other guy is one that i've gotten to see quite a bit of just because he plays in the summit league is jonah cox Mm -hmm. and i mean he just was heads and shoulders above that league that was just it wasn't even competitive he's an incredible athlete i'm almost wondering if they might be a little bit more athlete than baseball player right now 
And that's fair. I, and I, first of all, I'm contractually obligated to say Jonah Cox, Juco bandit. Um, <laughs> there you go. Big fan of Juco baseball. So yep. you got to shout that out whenever applicable. Um, I'll start with Wilkin. Cause that's where you started. We yep. think he's a first rounder. Like I think he's a first rounder. Um, been a fan since he was a high school kid. He was playing for, I believe it was O-Stingers. I think he played for the O-Stingers okay. in Florida. My Florida friends are going to kill me for if I got that wrong. But um, <laughs> either way, Wilkin, I, I'm confident that the power is going to play for him because I think he has really good swing decisions and that okay. when he's he understands that he's not a 70-hit tool guy, he's not going to hit everything. So I, that's where you see the swing and miss come in, but he's understanding of that. So he like through that he's really worked an approach to minimize it. You're he's always going to swing and miss. I don't think he's going to hit for high average, but I think he's going to get on base and I think he's going to hit for a ton of power. So I think that's a first a first rounder. And mm-hmm. I think like defensively, if if he hits if he hits two fifty with forty, do we care? Like I don't you know like no. I I think that there's a chance at third base, but I am with you. There are some concerns. He's not overly mobile, um, but. For me, I think it's it's about buying the offense. Same with Nolan Shanuel. You know, like at, if he's going to hit that much, I don't care if he's a yeah. first baseman, really. Uh, I mean, I, compare him a lot to uh, like what people are seeing out of Christian Encarnacion Strand yeah. right now. Sure. Very, very similar profile to what you can expect at the major league level anyway. Like, mm. I don't know that you really want CES playing third base on a really good defensive team, but right. if you got to squeeze him there so you can get his bat in the lineup. Yep. You know, that's what you do. I keep, I go back to the Tigers because I grew up a Tigers fan. So, like, you know, I, I got I to go, I got to talk back to what my brain is. Exactly. Yeah. And, I, and I remember when Victor Martinez got hurt and they said, you know what, we'll just sign Prince Fielder. Maybe that's he right. Play third. Who cares? Maybe yeah. he couldn't play third, but like, oh. who cared? He was winning triple crowns. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So, you know, I, <laughs> that's where I'm at on it. <laughs> Yeah, hey, I love that. Those were the glory days. It came so close, Brian. So close. Just so close. Didn't quite work twice. out. I, yeah. yeah, twice. I was at... Uh, Cox. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're talking Jonah Cox, but I was just thinking about yeah. some Tiger memories. I'll save those for later. But, yeah, what about Mr. Jonah Cox? <laughs> so that one, Ben, I, I think you, you make a good point as far as, like, maybe he's more athlete than player at times, just depending on the profile. But, like, for, there you go. Shouts out Eastern Oklahoma State. Woo! Uh, go EOSC. Uh, but anyways, it's such a dynamic athlete and he's performed in such a big way and the data backs up the performance that I think like it doesn't, it's another one of those things where we're, we're worried about a problem we don't need to be worried about in that situation. Like, well, where does he profile best positionally? Where is he this? Where is he that? Let's just take a dynamic athlete who looks like he can hit and then we'll figure out the rest later. Like, so that I just, I, if he's good, man, I'm with you he just reeks to be of the type of guy that ends up with someone like the Dodgers at the back of the first. And they end up developing him into just a stud, like a James Outman type, you know, Holy cow, where did this guy come from? And four years from now, we're looking at this guy going, how is he starting alongside Mookie Betts? But there he is, you know, so. We're live here with Brian Sikowski for perfect game. If you have questions in the chat, drop them in. We'll try to answer them. And we got one right here. This is kind of a comparative Chad says, I'd love to hear thoughts on how Bryce Eldridge will be drafted positionally. And also, if you think that the Max Clark at number one rumblings are legit. Any thoughts on those, Brian? Yeah, um, I think if they're asking where Eldridge is going to be drafted, I think he's in play as early as the teens. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know specifically where he'll go, but he's super intriguing to a lot of people for good reasons. He's probably a first baseman positionally, but a really interesting two-way guy. He really is. Like it's a yeah. it's a banger slider on the mound, and he's got some strike throwing ability that I don't know if it's enough to think about it developmentally, but it's it's interesting as a two-way. Um, and as for Clark, yeah. I think that Pittsburgh is exploring all of their options. Uh, I think that <laughs> Max would, um, you know, I, I don't know necessarily like who's going to take the biggest cut to potentially go first overall or whatever, but um, definitely, definitely think that Max Clark is in play at one. He's that good. He should be talked about that high. So we'll see. I, I would buy the, I buy that they're doing their due diligence if that answers the, answers yeah. the question. Well, yeah, this is a, for those of you watching the live feed on YouTube, which is always available. The Plotso Podcast. This is a mock draft from Perfect Game. This was from late April, so mm-hmm. things change all the time. But just to give you guys a vibe of where Max Clark was at the Rangers 4, and then I found Eldridge, and this may change as well, right, Brian? I'm sure there's things that change. There were 34 overall to Minnesota, and slash first base slash right-handed pitcher so anything can happen there's still a lot of there's still a lot of moves here that could change in terms of the board as we know i mean we still have a few weeks to go red alert red alert commercials incoming please be prepared to ignore them these people are not your friends these messages are intended to make you feel bad or that something is missing from your life Red alert. Commercials incoming. Prepare to enable the use of your 15-second skip-ahead button. You are in terrible peril. Red alert. Red alert. Commercials incoming. In three, two, one. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, like, when you're talking about high school guys in that 15 to 30 range, the second half of the first round, it's like it's hard to peg because oftentimes the slot value at pick 23 is less than what a team will give them at pick 38. You know, so you're, you're talking about do we think he's X good, but he's going to go in Y place? Like, yeah, that's kind of where we're at with the with the with big leagues, with MLB. That's unique in and of itself is the best player isn't always taken in the, in the best spot or whatever. Yeah. So that's why mock drafts and rankings are side by side but oftentimes look very different (laughs) i in nfl draft style i loathe mock drafts like i've always hated them i just especially in that type of world where there's trades that happen a lot more frequently as soon as the second pick changes the third pick changes it's all out the window mock drafts are fun but they should never be taken seriously as gospel it's it's just a way to you know it helps pay the bills for people who make mock draft lists go to town do your thing but i'm not locking those in as realities i mean it's not like everybody has access to every gm on every red phone in their office they just don't and it's not like they're going to tell you the truth either. Exactly. Like, you know, Smoke like I, I've been, been doing mock drafts for a while now, and I think the most we've ever gotten right is like eight. That's incredible. In a, in a pre-draft <laughs> mock, and that was outlier, man. Like that was – we got lucky on three and like had good dope on four and then, you know, whatever it was. It's it's a crapshoot. You can put some valuable information there, especially the closer you get to the draft, what you're hearing, the rumor mill – what agents say, what GMs say, whatever. You can throw it all in there, and it makes for a good read, and, and there's good info in there. Yeah. But the second one team does something weird, everything's gone. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. I mean, I, I my best mock I ever did, I had the Braves taking Wentz and Ian Anderson in that draft. 
Nailed it. A lot of, lot of really tired. good information that I had, yeah. but I had them switched. <laughs> and when I heard they were going to take Wentz at three or at whatever and then yeah. take Anderson there. But the other thing is, because they didn't know for sure what Wentz's number was going to be right off, but that sure. was what they were was their ideal pairing. And then Kyle Muller shows up at their next pick, and they didn't expect him to be there, yep. which really threw everything else out the window that I had really good information on that draft, but my mocks from that point on looked terrible because <laughs> a guy like that fell down the board. It happens quick. You just change everything. You know, so, oh, yeah. yeah, that's exactly what it does. We uh, have more questions here from the live chat. You guys are crushing it. Thanks so much for being here, by the way. Make sure you subscribe, like the, you know, all the stuff they make you do. Subscribe, like, blah, blah, blah. You know the drill. This one is from Zach. Is there a good argument for Jenkins if Lankford is still on the board at number three? Not a ton of video, but his swing from the left side looks so smooth. Brian, can you flesh that out for us? Yeah, the answer is yes. I think Jenkins is is really really good. I, you know, I, I think my, my board is going to end up having Langford ahead of Jenkins probably by one spot or whatever when we get yeah. to the end of it. But uh, yeah, I, Jenkins I think is a is a really good athlete in a big body who is that in and of itself is impressive how athletic he is with how physical and big he is. It's a gorgeous left handed swing. He makes a ton of contact. He's got power. There's a chance in center field. Like I, there's all kinds of things to like with Walker Jenkins. Ben, do you agree with that? Absolutely. I think any of, if you take any of the top five guys at number three on most draft boards, which I really can't argue with anyone who orders the top five guys in pretty much any way. I could see any one of those five guys being a number one pick most years. Now, the guy who I think would be interesting to sneak in there is someone like uh, Louder or Dolander Mm -hmm. to sneak into that group because you got that college arm, that college pedigree. And I could see someone like that jumping for the right team uh, in the top five. Uh, But other than that, I don't know. I, I really like the what you can get all around. I mean, you, you, as far as anywhere in the top five, you're looking at a really stinking good player. So. And Dolander and Lauder are going to have a chance to make statement starts here again, too. That's yeah, that's Lauder's been incredible in the postseason. I think he might have made his statement start already the other week, but uh, um, they're both going to have one more at least. This should be fun. Uh so, Brian, you're always working here on the future and the, in the next crop, right? But you're also building a lot of experience now, right? So yeah. if I ask you about minor leaguers currently, you could tell me about them, right? Domestic ones, yeah. I don't have much feel for uh, international guys. I just oh. I don't see them all. I see them at all. So, yeah, domestic guys for sure. Well, then we can do this one. How about this? Would you like to comment on <laughs> Emmett Sheehan or Gavin Williams? Which one of these two pitchers? I, I haven't seen Sheehan since college, but I did see Gavin Williams in the minors last year. So just on recency bias, I will go with him because he looks great. I so, think all three of us yeah. would say Gavin Williams, right, Ben? On, on raw talent, absolutely. On available position, I honestly think there's a better chance that the Dodgers have an open rotation spot than the – that oh, Jesus, there's there's my penalty of the day. I tried to say Indians. All right. You do it every week. It's I'm amazing. You're, you're At a... least once. At least once. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, it's all you ever knew your whole life, so we'll give you some yeah. time. <laughs> well, and, and in my defense, I'm sorting a whole bunch of 1986 baseball cards, and so oh, those all say Indian right across the right. top. So, I mean, it gets screwed up in your brain. But – no, I mean the the Guardians have put up 
brought up a ton of good young arms. Tristan McKenzie's on his way back. What are they going to have for an open spot? I mean, they sent Zach Plesek, who's been a quality number five type of guy, to the minors. I mean, I don't – you might see it where – he get Williams gets a couple starts at the end of the year to say, Hey, we think you could compete in 24 for a spot, but you know, they're <laughs> the AL central is so terrible that they're going to have a chance to compete until the last day, no matter what. <laughs> Brian so, does that. You're right. You're right. Yep. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm here. In, I live in Cleveland. And like, I, like I said, I grew up a Tigers fan. I re- remain a Tigers fan, but now my surroundings are guardians fans, obviously. And like, the amount of angry that they are. And I'm like, man, you're in first place. Like, you're going to win this thing. You can go 78 and 84 or whatever. And like, just, just cruise, man. Flags fly forever. You're going to win another pennant or a, a division title this year. Just relax. The, the, the Royals have the worst record in the league right now. They've now surpassed the A's. They actually have the they worst have. record. And they are closer. They are almost equally close to the Twins at the top as the Red Sox are the Rays and the Red Sox are a game under 500. <laughs> says so, it all. That, that I mean, says it all. It does. That's yeah. that's your central division right there. Uh, we got some more comments here. If we can answer them, we'll do our best here in the live chat. Uh, we're here live with Brian Sikowski for Perfect Game. Uh, this one is related to the Pirates. We talked a little bit about the Pirates, what they might do. Not that you can know for sure, Brian, but uh, any word on where the Pirates camp may lean, who they've been scouting heavily, et cetera? Is there any information on that? Yeah, I mean, it's – so the, my answer is not as specific as I'm sure the commenter would like it to be. <laughs> yeah. They're picking first overall. They are scouting everyone heavily. Like, yeah. that's not to – I'm not <laughs> trying to, to sound obtuse or, or be rude or All anything. Right. It's just like they, they're going to have everybody – at Jenkins, they're going to have everybody at Clark. They're going to have everybody at Langford and everybody at Cruz and Skeens. They're they're on everybody. They literally get to pick, you know, whoever they want. So yep. I, I think that to answer the question, yeah, but it's it's kind of those four. I think those five. Um, I doubt that they would take Paul Skeens uh, as good as he is. I just think yep. that it's going to be one of those outfielders. Okay. And what about this one? This one's a little more specific on JJ Weatherholt for 2024. The top five pick. West Virginia has produced some interesting prospects under coach Mazzi. I'm going to, I'm going to say, yeah, like, I, yeah. yes, I think he's that good. I, I we'll see. I we're a year away from saying where he's going to go in the draft, obviously, but college third baseman, left-handed hitter with hit tool and athleticism, like all kinds of plus boxes checked there. Like, yeah, I'll say he's that good. And then, I mean, Caglianone, is that right? Am I saying that one? Caglianone, yes. Known, there we go. Yeah, you were close, yep. Um, To me, it's those – I know that, you know, you got other guys, like, you know, you got your Tommy Whites. You got – I mean, there were some other really good sophomore hitters, but those two, to me, have kind of separated themselves in raw talent as far as the top of that college class for next year. Yeah, I I would include Kurtz from Wake Forest in that mix, um, but – as well as yeah. if you're yeah. going to include an arm, I think you have to talk about Brody Brecht up that high too. But oh, yeah. other yeah. than that, I think you're right. Like those are the two who play a position that isn't first base and aren't pitchers. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, uh, he's typing it out, but uh, I'm not even Christian. Yeah. You're the best. I'm sorry. Caglia Notani. There you go. Brian's sure. got it down. Yeah. Brian's he throws left. Hand, so he's better, right. Yeah. That's a, Hey, that's wonderful news. <laughs> uh, 
So this is from Zach. Zach wants to know any player or players projected in the mid first round who you believe could fall to the second. We always get fallers. I mean, it could be about money, slot money. What's the story there? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's probably the answer. Is it's going to be a high school kid? It's going to be a high schooler. Yeah. Whose bonus is bonus demand is too much for a team picking in the twenties, so he goes to a team whose second pick is in the thirties or forties. Um, ran out of breath there. Excuse me, but it's how I, tense I think it is that, here. Uh, yeah, you know, I think that uh, I don't like. I don't want to get specific with names as far as that goes. Uh, there's some guys moving up and down. Blah 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 blah. Depending on who you talk to, Colton Ledbetter is either a slam dunk first rounder or a second rounder. So if, if you think he's a slam dunk first rounder, then he might be that guy that slides to the second. But um, yeah, I, I think it, it'll probably end up being a high school bat if I had to guess. Yeah. McGonagall is a guy who you hear a lot of split on. Yep. And I could see him ending up in that 20s range and going, well, I'm worth more than that. Yep. And sliding down. Yeah. Because I, he was a stud last summer, all summer long. Agreed. And I think that Seattle with those uh, three picks in, in oh, yeah. 10 yeah. spots or whatever that is, I know they like him. He kind of fits that same Cole Young mold uh, that they mm-hmm. took last year. I, they could be in that mix. But again, we don't know which pick that is. You know, it could, they pick at 22, 29, and 30 or something fun like that. So, you know, one of those picks, I think. So, Brian, here's one for you off of the board a little bit. Ooh. A guy, a guy like Malcolm Moore got to college last year and I don't I I saw a lot of rankings that had him top 15 mm-hmm. top 30 in the class in talent there's a couple high schoolers that I see you guys have in the top 10 in the class um to me that's a great position to go to college is yep. catcher mm-hmm. and I guess what do you see is I mean already Moore's looking like an absolute stud that's gonna just be everyone's gonna be drooling over him when he comes out into the draft, but what, if you are sitting in the room with Blake Mitchell, do you, what do you have him throw out for a number to say, this might be a better choice for you to make sure you're either getting paid out of your gourd or else go to college. Yeah. I think that teams are so risk averse to prep catchers now anyways, because the vast majority of them don't end up good. Um, And that's partially, if not mostly the result of like the toll your body takes as a pro mm-hmm. catcher in the minor leagues for however many years while you're also supposed to be developing as a hitter, you know? Mm. So it's the, the low minors and, and being in the minor leagues for four or five, six years or whatever, that's not what the path that you want if you're a catcher. So I think that his bonus demand is going to be very high regardless. Uh, there's that that yeah. comes into play. And not to mention the fact that, you know, he's going to LSU, and if anybody's oh, yeah. got NIL yeah. money, it's LSU. So he may be yeah. making a fair bit of money to go to college now. We don't know that. But um, so I, what's a big number? Four? Something and like that? Like, yeah. 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 What's the most the prep catcher's ever been paid? More than that is what I would ask for. <laughs> I was going to say, there's your Brock Porter number. Yeah, you know, oh. this year, you know. Our but he's not going to be an arm. That's and, our local right, guy. That's right the thing. Orchard Lake St. Mary's, right, Brian? That's right. Dude, that's right. <laughs> I forgot his name last week, but now I'll never forget him. And I could have seen him here. He was right around the corner. And I never saw him pitch here. I should have I should have had done that while I had the chance, and I did not do that. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here. If you have any final questions, try to give him a live chat. I did want to ask you about the combine uh, what do you think of the combine it seems like the combine in mainstream baseball world is starting to get more of a 
a shine on it anyways. You know, we always hear about the NFL draft combine. Everybody knows about that. NBA draft combine, a little less so. And then way down the trough, there's the MLB draft combine, which doesn't get talked about as much. But uh, how influential can that combine be? Or is it more about they're just trying to raise the profile of the combine existing overall? So I think it's both. They clearly want to raise the profile of it because it's not, you know, near the profile that it should be just in terms of being an event. But um, I think there's some value there. You, it's just baseball is like, you can only tell so much from a super sort of um, regimented, controlled setting like a showcase. And I say, we, we run showcases, it's a perfect game, but we also do tournaments. Is the, you know, mm-hmm. you get both. But um, I, I think that you there's some value to be gained as a pitcher getting your data updated and on record um if you especially if you're like a small school or a high school kid who maybe didn't have access to track man all year or something like that you can get that that can help you vice versa for hitters you know i'm sure they're going to strap guys up to blast sensors and check every exit velocity and bp and all that stuff like that's that can also be valuable to you too but if you're more the the player profile of like you're just a really good player that doesn't have super loud tools a showcase is not where you're going to stand out um, so it's just, there's, there's so much to baseball that can't be gleaned from a showcase look, you know, to yes. what makes a good player. Yeah. So there's, there's definitely value. Like guys are going to go down there and, and do well and get drafted higher than they would have had they not gone. Um, that's absolutely a thing that will happen, but it's mostly based on the data more than anything. And it's a lot of guys that would have gone in the 11th or 10th or 13th round that then sneak into the sixth or seventh round. Yes. It's not guys that are going to go in the second round that suddenly sneak into the first that's pretty you're not gonna a lot of those guys don't even show up because you know they've got enough on tape that it's like hey you know i throw 98 all they can do is hurt (laughs) themselves sometimes yeah for sure yeah yeah it's like doing a pro day or not or whether they do a pro day in nfl or yeah it's the same thing i'd rather just show up at the combine or i feel more comfortable in my own little environment that makes all the sense of the world to me uh one other thing I want to ask, uh, Ben, I, you might have one other thing, but I wanted to ask Brian, is is there somebody that uh, maybe we should be talking about more that maybe there's not being talked about as much as the draft approaches closer? You know, maybe a sleeper or somebody. Somebody, hey, you know, that, that kid deserves more love. Yeah, uh, I will go with a homer pick from my home state and go with Mitch Jeb uh, huh. from Michigan State. Have been a big fan of his for dating back to his high school years. Um, he's a really good athlete who makes a ton of contact and controls the zone at a high level. Doesn't hit for a lot of power yet. The swing is very flat and geared for spray, and he wants to go oppo. And, but I think that it's just such innate bat to ball, such innate zone awareness, middle of the diamond athleticism. And I've, he has power. He Raw power exists in his profile. He's probably got average raw power. I've seen him you know, use it in BP. But – the team that is able to keep that approach and keep that bat to ball while unlocking some more of that power is going to get a really, really good player. All right. Mr. Jeb of the Spartans. That's fun. I like that. Right. Midland zone, I believe. Hey, yeah. man, man, we just love, we're talking a lot of central mid Michigan today. A lot of people have no idea. Mount Pleasant, Midland. These are the wonderful towns of mid Michigan that you're right. all missing out on across the world on the internet. Uh, ben, last question for you. And then we're out of here. Well, I if you, I I want to get in maybe like a second tier outfield question for you. So sure. Chase Davis and Alberto Rios are two guys that have stuck out a ton to me. Mm-hmm. 
and obviously Rios is getting the chance to really show it a little more here as the World Series has gone on. I I just see those guys as guys that might kind of follow, like I said, into that cockspin of they're going to end up getting drafted by a Houston, by a Dodgers, by a somebody like that late in the first or into the second and third and develop into just stud players. Am I wrong in that view on them? No, I, I think that there's an element of recency bias with some of, with some of the, the hype that's going on there. Um, yeah. I, I think that, but you're also balancing players who are young, literally making adjustments mid season, you know? So it's like, yeah, Chase Davis has been really good for a month and wasn't before that. How much of that is, do we need to wait against him actually making an adjustment to where this is the yep. type of player he is now? Um, so I, I think Chase Davis is really good. I haven't dug in as much on Rios. I'm enjoying getting a, a lesson in him sort of as we go yep. along uh, this postseason run for Stanford, um, seeing him more and more. But, yeah, I, I think that, like, Chase Davis absolutely feels like a guy that the Dodgers take in the 40s and then he hits 40 tanks in the big leagues in two years or the Astros or, or something yep. like that. He absolutely feels like that guy. So maybe he is, but, uh, but yeah, he might be gone before they have a chance to take him though. Like that's a guy climbing up. Yeah. All right. Chase Davis, Arizona, exciting times here. We want to thank the man himself, Brian Sikowski for coming out for perfect game. This has been really informative. I really appreciate it. Kind of getting, get out, get out with our lives type of deal. Uh, anything else you want to plug here or share about Perfect Game or things people need to know about right now? Just uh, follow me on Twitter. Pay attention there. I put all my stuff out through there. We'll have 600-plus draft reports and a brand-new board coming your way soon, along with a mock yeah. or two and all the while being on the road working towards 2024. So yeah. it will be a crazy month and uh, looking, looking forward to it, but it will be crazy. <laughs> I'm sure it will be. Yeah. Are you on the road, like, literally a lot, like staying in motels and stuff? Mm -hmm. Yeah, wow. no motels. Um, oh, of course, classy, yeah. proud, proud Marriott type. <laughs> yeah, you uh, age out so, of a certain minimum yeah. standard after a while. I, I understand completely. <laughs> and I'm not fancy. I I just need a Fairfield where the air conditioning works. Like that's all. Oh, I need. you know, you speak um, my language. I think Ben is too, because Ben's a bigger guy like me. Man, I need. We need to cool things down, and I actually pick hotels that are not as fancy as others because I know their air conditioning yeah. will go down to 60. I need to push that thing down. <laughs> you're, no, you're absolutely right. It's about comfort. It's about surviving. But yeah, to answer your question, yes, on the road quite a bit, but uh, that's part of the gig, and, and I do love it. I do love watching baseball. <sighs> Sounds cool, man. I'm, I'm a bit envious, but since I'm going to go to bed in my own bed tonight, I'll just remember that. Hey, that's this right. is <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's been fun. Thank you so much, Brian. Benjamin Chase, follow him on Twitter, Big Gentle Ben. I'm at MJ Govier. Plots of Podcast 2L. Utah. Two Z's. Give me two. And of course, follow Brian on Twitter, B underscore Sikowski underscore PG. That's Brian Sikowski Perfect Game. You can find him on Twitter. He's got 22,000 followers. He's very popular. He should be easily found. And he's also very informative. Thank you so much, Brian. For Ben, I'm Michael. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Catch you guys later. Bye bye. But it might just save your
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.